Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. This morning we're going to start a series together called Love is God Explains It. Um, Over the next few weeks we're going to be talking about this big topic of, of love. And, um, you know, we're early on in our journey as a church. If you're new with us, we just started back in October. So this is, you know, it's a year of firsts, right? Um, But I don't think there's any greater building block um, that we can start than just focusing on the love that God calls us to. Because at the root of what Christ is about and what we're supposed to be about is this idea of love. And today, um, it's easy to be confused by the word love. Um, we look around in our, in our culture, and, and we see this word everywhere, right? Like, love is everywhere in our culture, and we hold it up as sort of our highest value in, the, in our culture and in the church, but yet it can mean different things to different people. Uh, any music fans here? All right, a few music fans. Let's, let's take a walk with uh, with music. So in the 60s, the Beatles sang the song, All You Need Is Love, right? All you need is love. Du, 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 du. Yeah. What did that mean, right? Does, does love include like food and air and water, right? Because we need those things too. I don't know if that's all you need. Okay, let's, let's, let's speed up to the 80s, okay? Huey Lewis in the news, The Power of Love. Anybody like that song? That's the power of love, right? <laughs> Michael J. Fox was so cool in the 80s, by the way. But, um, you know, what, did, what was he talking about? Doesn't take money, doesn't take fame. What does love take, man, you know? Um, okay, the 2000s, this might be a stretch for me, but Black Eyed Peas. They sang, where is the love, right? Where is the love? I'm not going to get into that. I'm not, I'm not, just, I don't think I can pull that off. But, um... But, you know, there's all these songs about love and this desire for love. But uh, there's nobody to tell us what love actually is in our culture. There's no authority that says this is what love actually looks like. So while we we might be looking for it, a lot of times we don't actually know what we're looking for. And in culture, there's been attempts to, to define what love is. There's a popular author today who talked about love as an intangible connection between two people that feels exceptionally good. So the idea, maybe there's a popular idea of, of love feeling good, like having a good feeling towards someone else and they have a good feeling towards you. Or that there's, you know, you know there, there, there's just some um, maybe accepting someone for who they are, respect. You know, another phrase that you hear a lot today is uh, love is love. You know, and when people say this, it kind of means, hey, it doesn't matter who we love or how we love, because love is love. Love in itself is the authority. But that doesn't really provide any definition, right? That doesn't provide any definition for what love actually is. And so it's easy for love, as we talk about it, to become squishy in our culture. It's, it's like jello, right? If, if we can't define love or if we don't have any guidance to tell us what love actually looks like, then it's just kind of like jello. You know, you can kind of mold it into whatever you want it to be. And so f- in this series, I think it's important that we as a church hit the reset button 
on this word love. What is God getting at when he calls us to love? Because if we say we love Christ, that means we also accept his authority as the one who explains love. And what we'll see, love is not squishy, but it's actually the biggest challenge of our life. Love is the biggest challenge of our life. Like, we like talking about it, but when you get down to the love that Jesus talks about, it's difficult. It's hard to love other people. It's challenging. So for a Christ follower, love, the word love holds a lot of weight. Holds a lot of weight. And so we're going to talk about that because God is more than just the authority of love. The Bible actually says that he is love, that God is love in everything that he does. Um, 1 John 4, 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. You know, it's one thing for someone to tell you what love is, but it's a whole different thing for someone to show you, to show you what love is. And that's what Jesus did. He didn't come and just start saying all these great things about love. He showed us to the point of death what love looked like. He became the ultimate expression of love by, just, by giving his entire life away for us. And so when we talk about love, when we talk about our understanding of love, it has to be shaped through the person of Jesus, not just what is said, but who he is. See, God sent Jesus, his only son, into the world who surrendered his life to die on a cross so that we could be saved. So love, as God explains it, in this extre- is an extreme picture of emptying yourself f- to save someone else. So as we talk about love, we're going to talk about how it's emptying ourselves to benefit others. And h- our question is, are we doing that? How do we know that we're owning our call to love as God intended and so to answer this question, I'm going to spend the next couple week, few weeks in a pretty familiar passage, um, 1 Corinthians 13. This is actually called the love chapter in the Bible. Like this is sort of the key, one of the key texts on love in the Bible. And uh, you might remember this because people read this chapter at weddings, and they do it in a very like Disney sort of way. It's like very blissful and peaceful and happily ever after. Um, but I don't think that's really what was intended here. I, I, I think we're not supposed to read the words in sort of a soft and sweet way. I think what Paul intended and God intended is that we read them in a serious way. That we would look at our lives as we read these words about love and say, are we actually doing that? Is that actually what we're doing? Um, there's a theologian um, named Adolf Harnack, and he wrote that this chapter should be considered the greatest, strongest, and deepest thing that Paul ever wrote. Because this passage can reshape our understanding of love. This passage doesn't describe love as sort of a a jello thing. It's it's brass tacks. It's real. As a former uh, teacher used to say, it's like burnt toast, you know? It's not not jello. It's like, it's real. It's a love that costs. 
It's a love that costs us. It's not a love that's simply sweet and based on feelings. It's a, it's a, real, um, it's a real love that surrenders. So today we're going to start by looking at this chapter. We're going to start diving in today. We're going to look at the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13. It says this, If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Paul says that love is necessary in everything that we do. As we follow Christ, if we don't act in love, we're missing it. See, when we come to this part of 1 Corinthians, Paul has been explaining how we all have been given spiritual gifts by God. That God has gifted us to serve each other in his church with spiritual gifts. But this is almost like a uh, hold up a minute. Before we go any further, before we get carried away with how we've been gifted, we need to talk about love. It's sort of like if you've heard the old analogy about Vince Lombardi, you know, the Green Bay Packers coach coming to his uh, players and saying, hey, guys, this is a football. You know, it's like this fundamental moment. Hey, guys, this is love. Let's get back to the fundamentals of what we're about. And so this is sort of that moment here for us. The word that Paul uses to talk about love is one that you might have heard of before. It's the word agape. Um, the Greek language has a lot of different definitions for love, and agape was actually, before the Bible, it was one of the least common. It wasn't super common, but then, um, but then God used it to kind of redefine how we understand love. See, agape doesn't refer to romantic love or anything like that. It refers to, at a really base level, it just refers to having goodwill towards others, that, y- that you would will good for other people that in your heart you genuinely want what's best for someone else because you care about them. You know, Jesus took this idea of goodwill goodwill to a crazy degree. He had so much goodwill for you. He was so drawn by love that he surrendered his life to die on a cross. While we still were enemies, while we hated him, Jesus surrenders his life so that we can find life. So Jesus is this expression of goodwill that goes way beyond maybe ways that we've seen goodwill done, way beyond giving somebody a coat or a warm meal. Jesus gives us his life. He surrenders his life so that we can live. You know, I think most of the time I have goodwill in my heart towards others. But it's a whole other thing to talk about dying for someone else, right? Would I be able to go there? I don't know, right? But that's the love that Christ is calling us to. That's the love he modeled, that you would actually surrender your life, everything that you have and are, so that others might be saved. And so Paul warns us that if we try to live a life without reflecting this love, that what we are doing won't amount to anything. Because sometimes we get in a trap of just checking boxes, like, okay, I got that done and that done but we don't really surrender. You know, if we're honest, we all check the box sometimes. Like, okay, I got that covered. 
I got that covered. Um, when I first got into ministry 10 years ago as a youth pastor, and um, I was early on, I was going to school, um, pursuing a ministry degree. We were living in Portland at the time. And, but I made the mistake of saying yes to pretty much everything. Like, I had some friends like, hey, we need help with Young Life down at Wilson High School. Sure, I'll help. Hey, I'm starting a nonprofit in North Portland, and we could really use some help. Okay, sure. Hey, I need help moving. Can you help? Yes, I'll be there. And I just started saying yes and yes and yes. And I realized that I had spread myself so thin that I actually wasn't able to be present anywhere. I w actually wasn't to engage people with my whole heart because I was so busy just checking boxes. Like, okay, got that done and got that done. Life became like an obligation. Like, love became like an obligation to me. You know, I was trying to do a bunch of good things, but I really wasn't present anywhere. Um, I was so busy that I couldn't really um, take time or had margin to really help out anyone to any, uh, any crazy degree. It was just being busy. Jesus said, that the I just shared this a little earlier ago, but the greatest commandment is to what? It's to love God with all of our what? All of our heart and soul and mind and strength. We're supposed to go all in. And then the second is that we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. I don't think there's a huge difference between the way that we're supposed to love Jesus all in and the way we're supposed to love our neighbors because Jesus went all in for your neighbors. Jesus went all in for other people. So love is all in. Love is all in. God wants us to go all in or not in. Like if I could redo it, instead of trying to please a bunch of people and do a bunch of different things, I would have chosen a couple things or a fewer people that I could have had a greater impact on than trying to check a bunch of boxes, than trying to do it all and make everybody happy. Why? Because love involves our soul. I can't just bring my body into a situation and leave my heart and soul behind. If I'm really going to love, I have to, I have to offer my heart and soul uh, to others. I have to be completely engaged. Otherwise, if I don't, I'm like, I'm, I'm like going on a date with someone who's constantly on their phone, right? Y and, and you might be like nudging your spouse right now. But, you know, I'm like going on a date with someone who's just kind of constantly distracted. Like, do you feel loved when that happens? You're like, uh, you know, and, and it's not like I've, I've never been on my phone during a date, but it, it, it's, you know, I'm working on it, Bonnie, right? Uh, um, but, you know, we get distracted, and, and love is not a half-hearted thing, right? We can't half-heartedly love if we want to love like Christ. It involves our heart and our soul. If we're consumed with us, if we're consumed with our schedule, if we're consumed with our calendar, we're not leaving room, we're not leaving margin to love people the way that Christ loved people. We're not leaving margin to be fully present. And so in these verses, Paul talks about three dangers of trying to live a Christian life without love. And I'm going to share these. And this list is not going to, like, make you feel good, okay? This is not what they bust out at weddings usually. But basically, without love, the way he breaks it down is this. Without love, whatever we do is irritating, 
insignificant and ineffective. Ouch, right? That's painful. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's tough. But without love, what we do are these three things. They're ins- it's irritating, insignificant, and ineffective. That's what the Bible is teaching us here. This is the danger of trying to run your life without experiencing love, without giving love. You know, we don't want to be known for this list, right? We don't want to be known as, a, as an irritating person, or we don't want to be insignificant or ineffective. We, we want the opposite. And so that's why it's so important that we dive in and own what it means to love others. So let's take this one by one. Let's look at this kind of one by one. First, Paul says that uh, without love, whatever we do is irritating. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So he's saying that, hey, if we, if we try to live a Christian life without love, our lives are just like a loud noise without any melody. You know, if, we, if, if uh, we led worship this morning and it was just Johnny on the cymbals, like you guys would probably walk out. I'm just, I mean, Johnny's a great drummer, but I, I don't know if he's that good. Um, because cymbals, a gong is meant to be played behind a melody. Like, I know this is, this is kind of the wedding part, okay? But like love is that melody of what we're trying to do. Right? And, and if we try to do all this action without love, it's just, it just comes off like a harsh sound. I can tell you from experience that gongs are obnoxious. They're really obnoxious. When I uh, was a recruiter, um, I worked in this open office with a bunch of other recruiters, and we affectionately called this office the pit. Okay? And in the pit, we had a huge brass gong that someone would strike every morning at 8 o'clock to call our meeting. So you can imagine, like, when I show up to work, and back then I really wasn't a morning person, I'm fumbling through um, what I have to do, my to-do list. I'm fumbling through. I might even be on the phone. And all of a sudden you hear this, brong. I hated that gong. I hated it. And the meetings were pointless too, but that's another story. But... I hated the gong. The only people that liked the gong were the supervisors who got to ring the gong because they got to use it like a torture device. Like, okay, guys, wake up, you know. I hated the gong. And, uh, and it's, like, it's like the same thing. Like if we try to love, uh, or if, we t- if we try to serve people without really caring about people, that's how we come across. It's just irritating and obnoxious. You know, it, we have gifts that God has given us. You have a gift. God has equipped you with a gift. We have a diverse amount of gifts, even in this group today. But if we try to operate in our gifts without focusing on others, with just focusing on ourselves, um, then we come across as irritating. Um, God didn't give you those gifts to make you great. He gave you those gifts so that you could make others great. And so the d- if you want to make a difference with what God's given you, then you have to focus on others. Like Christ focused on others. You have to surrender to loving others. So if you want to encourage someone, make sure that your heart is engaged. Make sure that your soul is present. Make sure that you've chewed on it. 
You know, many of you are gifted in that. Many of you are able to have that heart-to-heart conversation with someone and just make their day and lift them out of, uh, of wherever they're at. Because what w- the biggest loss would be if we fail to love, then whatever we do here is just noise. It's just a bunch of noise. It's just a bunch of hoopla. And love is what changes that. Um, you know, I- we could have the most cutting-edge church, which I know we're pretty close. Um, but if we... <laughs> uh, we're close. We're not there quite yet. But if, if we aren't putting our heart and soul into loving people, and not just people in general, like, oh, I love people, but like specific people, names, think of names of people, um, then we're just putting on a show. And I can tell you that Blaine doesn't need a show. Like, what they need are hearts that are connected to the love of God. And so, um, but again, this isn't just about the church, though. It matters in every relationship in your life. Um, when I was thinking about this, I thought of my kids and how this affects how I, uh, I, I address or parent uh, my kids. You know, here's the thing. For those of you who, who um, aren't parents, um, imagine being with a little kid all day, every day, okay? It kind of wears you out sometimes. I'm just being honest. And sometimes, as a parent, it's easy to get frustrated or distracted, right? And, and sometimes when I try to, I seem like I'm always trying to correct whatever my kids are doing, right? It's just like constantly correcting. And then, I've, then I realize like, hey, I'm just like nagging my kids. And eventually, if I, if I nag my kids too much, they just tune me out. Like I just become like noise to my kids, right? I either cause them to panic or cause them to just be indifferent, like, ah, that's dad just having a, having a day, you know? Well, they don't say that. They're like eight, so they don't say it like that. But, um, but yeah, but, my, you know, my kids know when I'm all there and when I'm not. My kids know when I'm distracted and when I'm not. When I'm all there with my kids, they lean in. They're engaged because my kids don't ultimately need my direction as much as they need my heart. My kids need my heart. My kids need my soul. They need to see what I care about and who I am at a core level. If I fail to share my heart with my kids and just tell my kids what to do, then I'm failing my kids. And, and, and uh, so we just need to engage our hearts, and not just with kids, but with our spouses and friends. Like, if we fail to give people our hearts, we're really failing them. If we're not putting our heart and soul into what we're doing. And so if that involves cutting a few things, in order for you to do that, you should do it. So let's go to this second reality. We talked about this idea that love is, or uh, (laughs) love is irritating. (laughs) No, Uh, love's irritating. You might feel that in a few weeks. No, Um, you know, we talked about how without love, what we do is irritating. But we're going to go to the second one, which is basically without love, what we do is insignificant. And this is a big one because I think all of us, hopefully, want to live significant lives. You know, if you're a Christian, you want your life to matter. You want your life to count for something. Paul says, if I, and if I have all prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. I am insignificant. I don't matter. 
if I'm not loving people. Whatever we do outside of love is insignificant. And Paul even says, and he's talking about very, like, pious, like, uh, like strong believers. He says, I can be the smartest believer. I can be the strongest believer. I can have the most, like, shatterproof proof that's a tough one for me uh, shatterproof faith but if i'm if i don't have love it doesn't matter i don't get anywhere what i what i am is insignificant and so probably most of us like don't want to want to be that we don't want to have the strongest faith but then be insignificant in in uh, use to god you know, if we have all of that faith, if we, are, if we are the strongest Christian ever, but it doesn't translate into love for others, something's missing. I like what Joe Aldrich said. He said this. He said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I can be the smartest Christian out there. I can know all the ins and outs of my faith, but if I don't really care about people, then I'm not gonna. I'm gonna repel them. I'm gonna push them away. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna be insignificant in their lives. Because people don't care how much I know until they know how much I care. And if we're only engaging people's heads and we're not engaging people's hearts, like we're missing something. You know, you might be right, but if you don't love the person you're talking to, those wise words are meaningless. So another place we see this is because, um, and, and, and all this is because love is what gives us room to speak into someone's life. It gives us room to share the truth. We see this in conflict. Um, another person said this, and I really like this. They said, if you love someone, you can say anything to them. I'm like, well, that's kind of extreme. But it's kind of true. Like, if you love somebody, you can really say anything to them because there's, like, trust built. Because it's in humility. Because you're not coming at them um, like you know everything. You're, you're appealing to them like a, like a brother or a sister instead of judging them. You know, I don't really like conflict, but, <laughs> but, what, um, but, but the, what makes a difference in conflict is when you really put yourself in that person's shoes, when you really pray for that person, when you really think about what God wants to do in that person's life, before you, uh, b- before you go into that conversation, before you go into that meeting, if you really think about that other person, like that changes how you approach conflict. You can come to them as a brother or a sister and not as the authority. So if we want to make a significant impact on people's lives, we've got to pair what we know with how we love. And so here's the final truth that Paul highlights here. He says that without love, whatever we do is ineffective. Basically, without love, we're just kind of spinning our wheels. We're just kind of doing stuff. We're not really getting any traction. Paul kind of takes it to the extreme. He says, and he does that a lot, but he says, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. We gain nothing without love. That word gain it can mean like we help nothing. We benefit no one. Uh, we ultimately do no good. Even if we sacrifice everything, we don't get anywhere. Um, you know, in my marriage, if I just focus on all of the work that I'm doing for my wife, but I never actually engage my wife, if I never talk to my wife, but then when I say, well, hey, look at all this stuff that I'm doing, am I really loving my wife? 
or am I just checking boxes? Because oh, I, could, I could sacrifice everything, but if I don't actually love my wife, it's not going to matter. And we've talked about this before, as you could probably tell. No. Um, but yeah, this is an important conversation. You know, sometimes you have to ask a, a difficult question in your marriage. Hey, babe, do you feel loved by, by me? Do you feel loved right now? Do you feel loved by what I'm doing? But we can take this a step further. You know, we're a new church. We're trying, to, um, we're trying to love Blaine well. But do you really care about Blaine? Do you really want what's best for Blaine? Do you want what's best for your neighbors? You know, we can work our butts off volunteering for the city, um, but if we don't actually, like, get to know the people that we're around, like, it's a loss. If we don't actually care about the lives that we, and again, like, not just lives in general, but specific lives, we're kind of missing what God's talking about. Paul says in Romans, let love be genuine. You know, I believe that love can make the most even out of a minimal sacrifice. Like, if you really love someone, God can take that 10 minutes that you spend encouraging someone. God can use a phone call in a major way. It doesn't have to be, burn, you know, lighting yourself on fire like it talks. Paul's talking about. It can be, you know, this, this love makes the small thing significant. You know, we don't want to be irritating and significant or ineffective. We want the opposite. And so if you want to boil down all of this today and, and kind of the point of why love is necessary, this is it. And it's because love is what makes it real. That's my song, by the way. I'm going to write a song called Love is What Makes It Real. Um, no, I'm not. Um, but love is what makes it real. Um, love takes what we do and makes it real to people. You know, everything we do without actually caring about that other person isn't really love. It's not going to go anywhere. But when we pour our heart and soul into serving, when we pour our heart and soul into relationships, that's when things become real. That's when people let their guard down and they get to experience God's love for the first time, maybe. So if you want what you do to matter, then you've got to love with your heart and your soul. Because I don't want to be... And you can tell me if I am. I don't want to be irritating, insignificant, or ineffective. What I want and what hopefully we all want is to be the opposite of that. We want to be attractive, significant, and effective. Like that's the kind of church that we want to be. Like I want to be an effective church. I want to make a significant difference. And the only way that happens is when we really get love. Because love is what allows us to get out of the way. Love is what allows us to get out of the way and let God work through us. You know, love is what allows us to serve people without strings attached. Uh, love is what allows us to go the extra mile for someone and not worry about being praised or, or liked or any of that stuff. Love allows us to lay our lives down and just allow God to use us. But this isn't an easy thing. You know, maybe you're in a place where you, you're feeling like, man, I'm just, I'm surviving right now. Like this, I don't know, um, I'm, I'm feeling stressed out all the time. How do I lay myself down for others when I'm just trying to make it? And a couple weeks ago I said this. I think it's worth coming back to. You know, maybe our first step, maybe our first step is just to slow down and trust God. 
you know, we are busy people. We are a check-the-box type of people. But maybe we need to take some time this week to slow down and trust God and just rest in knowing that God loves you. You know, 1 John 4.19 says, We love because he first loved us. If we're not experiencing the love of God in our lives, it's going to be really hard to, to project that or, or extend that to other people. Because slowing down allows us to rest in God's love for us. It allows us to let go like, okay, I don't need to check all the boxes right now. I can just rest in the love that God has for me. Have you ever met that person who's like unaffected by time? Um, I've, I've met these people. They're incredible. But, you know, I had one friend who was just like almost unaffected by time. And I'm not saying we should do this. Like time is important. I don't want you to lose your job or anything like that. Um, but this guy just had a beautiful spirit. He was just completely present when he was with people. He was just completely engaged. I went, um, I went on a, uh, uh, just, he, he would walk around kind of the areas where homeless people lived in Bellingham, and he'd just be present with them. He'd just ask them about how their day was. He'd just, like, sit there for a while. It wasn't just like, here you go, and he was off. He was just there engaging with people. It was just really amazing. Like, he wasn't just saying, hey, this, I'm going to give you this because I think you need it. He was, like, asking, so what do you need right now? Gloves? Okay, I got gloves. You know, it's just really an incredible picture of love. There was, a, there was a nonprofit executive who was completely stressed out one time, and his mentor was this Christian professor who's written some books called, uh, named Dallas Willard. And he asked this guy, Dallas, how can I be a better leader for Christ? And this is what Dallas said. He said, you need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You need to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Anywhere you can, eliminate hurry so that you can be more present. You know, this call to love is not supposed to be anxiety-producing. And it's not supposed to be guilt-driven. It's actually a call to first drink deeply from the love of God and then extend that love to other people. So here's my challenge. Instead of spreading yourself thin, and showing up for everything, think, who are the people that I should spend time with this week? Maybe if it's one person or two people, who, God, who are you calling me in this season of my life to focus on intently, to show love to? You know, it might start with your marriage. You know, maybe it, it, it involves how you restructure your evenings. Instead of spending time watching TV or, or Netflix or whatever, maybe make time to uh, have a conversation with your wife or your husband. Uh, this year, one of the changes, you know, we, I'm not a really a, a New Year's resolution person, but one of the changes that Bonnie and I have done this year is we're gonna, we've committed to be faithful with a year-long devotional every night. And I look forward to that so much. It's like God's doing work on me right now because of like two paragraphs in this little devotional. And uh, it's just making space for that. You know, maybe you have a friend or a neighbor, you know, neighbors we pass by every day and we're like, oh man, I could help them with that, but then we never have time. What if you made margin for that person and you just showed up one day and offered help? But ultimately, like the love that Paul's talking about only flows from a heart that's in love with God. Paul said in Romans 5 that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. 
And so it's only through knowing God and it's only through his Holy Spirit that we're really able to love people selflessly. It's only when God gives us the power for that. So we need to seek him first. We need to be able to rest in God's love for us, to pursue him. Because that's the love that gives us security to go love other people. If we're insecure about our relationship with God, that's where we have to start. Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that Jesus died for you, that he wants an active relationship with you? That's what provides security no matter the storms that we face. So as the, uh, as the band comes up, I just want to encourage you, church, be genuine in your love for other people. Let's seek God together so that he might pour out his spirit on us and work through us. You know, I don't want to be a church that's known for how busy we are, but how well we love. I want to be known as a church that loves well, that whatever we commit to, we're all in. And, you know, we've been looking at, at, at stuff this year, opportunities we have in the community, um, opportunities that, that we have to be in community with each other and, and with the city. And we want to do those things, but we don't want to do them if our heart's not there. We don't want to just show up and serve for a little bit and leave. Like, we want to be uh, engaged in what's going on. So we, as a church, let's choose to love like we've been loved by Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we are humbled and wish the way that you run after us, God. Jesus, you are almighty God. You, uh, you, fought, you are, the, uh, are, are the Son of God at the right hand of the Father. Lord, you are holy and mighty. You reign in heaven. It's your kingdom we serve, but yet you chose, God, to love us. You chose to humble yourself to the point of death on a cross for us. And Jesus, we've heard those words so many times, God, but would you give new life to them? Would you give new life to this call to love? Would you help us to understand love through the picture and, and the word that you spoke, the picture that you gave? Jesus, we want to be more like you. Lord, I ask you to teach each of us how to love. And Lord, if we're in a place where we are stressed out, where we're anxious, where we're tired, God, speak to us this morning, God. Show us, Father, this deep, endless love that you have for us, God. Even when we go off track, you're there, God, with open arms ready to welcome us back. So Lord, if we've strayed from you, or if we, if we don't know you, God, but we want to, Lord, would you show us, would you, uh, would you show us your love, God, that when we come home to you that you embrace us father with open arms lord let us be a community that's transformed by the love of god lord let us be a people that loves each other well that's known by the way that we care about each other and about others father i pray that whatever the issue is whatever the name is god maybe it's unforgiveness that would be holding us back from really uh loving someone god would you help us to surrender that this morning Lord, if there's things in our life that keep us back from really giving our whole heart and soul into a situation, help us to let go, put our hands up, God, and surrender to your love for us. Father, the relationship that you call us to, God. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, Jesus, for all that you do. In your precious name, amen.